This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Let's go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Today my message is called New Generation Leadership. And if you have a bulletin and want to take notes, there's a, a chance for you to follow the outline and that might be very helpful to you. Uh, a couple things I want to make you aware of. Today it's February 28th. Which means tomorrow is March 1st, and it's a great day to either continue or re-energize the New Testament Bible reading plan. We have over 100 adults who committed to uh, read through the New Testament this year, and that is for the purpose. It's not a gimmick or just something to add to our to-do list. When we're all in the Scripture, it raises the spiritual level of our church body. And so whether you have been doing that on a regular basis or maybe you did it for a couple of weeks and the last few weeks have been difficult, March 1st is a great day to start again. And there are those Bible reading plans at the Communication Center. You can get them online on my blog. Uh, But this month we're going to be reading through Hebrews, through Galatians, through James. And those are three tremendous reads that will bless your life. That only takes five minutes a day. So Make a note, and I hope that you participate in that. Well, we're in a series called New Ground, and we are talking uh, about how to take new ground in our lives, following the journey of God's people who, for 400 years, they were in bondage in Egypt, then they spent 40 years in the wilderness, and then God took them to a promised land, a very defined geographical area where he said, this is the land I've chosen for you. And this is the place where you're going to be blessed and you're going to receive everything I have for you. As Penny was leading us in worship, she uh, portrayed this so well of what this means to you. God has a promised land for you, a defined place for your family, for your occupation, for the dreams He's given you, a place that is going to be best for you. He doesn't want you to be in bondage, in slavery. He doesn't want you to be wandering in the wilderness with no direction. He wants to take you in to a very clearly defined place. And today we're going to look at a leadership transition from from, uh, Moses to Joshua. New generational leadership. And new generation leadership has something very, very, very clear for you in taking new ground in your life that there is new leadership that God is bringing into your life and He's causing you to be a new generation leader so that you can take that new ground. Let's read the Scripture together. Joshua chapter 1. Let's start with verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never 
leave you nor forsake you. Let's pray together. God, we thank you, Lord, that you're taking us to new ground. We feel it. We see where you're going. We're ready to cross over. Lord God, you're always calling us forward. You're always calling us, God, to new opportunities. And we want to be where you're going to be. We, we want to be in that place of blessing where you're at, God. We want your best. We want what you've defined for us. And Lord, help us recognize today what new generation leadership means to us and how that's going to get us to the place you've called us. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Well, I've mentioned a couple times before how much I admire teachers. And I come from a family of teachers, and I think our educators do a great job, as we've discussed before. I started a vocational ministry when I was 21 years old. And for those first few years of vocational ministry, I just kind of had this nagging curiosity. I wondered, what would it have been like if I would have been a teacher instead of a pastor? Well, that curiosity and that sense of longing for what was not was solved in one day. Because on one particular day, I became a substitute teacher. I was in a class full of junior high students. And that day, I was no, no longer the cool youth pastor that teenagers wanted to hang out with. I was the substitute. And after that day, I never desired to be a teacher again. I still admired teachers, and maybe even more so, but my desire diminished, and I knew that wasn't for me. And that particular day, when I was with those junior high students, it reminded me of a principle that you've seen in your life before, too. It's this, that when leadership changes, people typically do not like it. It may be a student who shows up to their class that day and there's a teacher they don't expect. Or it might be if you show up at your job and they've changed the organizational structure and someone's managing you that you don't prefer or you don't respect. Whatever the case is, when change happens, often we don't like it. And here in Joshua chapter 1, we're seeing a very dramatic change from Moses, the man who led God's people out of Egypt in a spectacular fashion. A man who took the people of God across the Red Sea. He led them through the wilderness. And now a change was occurring. And in that change, I want you to discover some things about leadership and some things about your life. Now, when I wrote this message about 10 days ago, I've been praying over it. I talked to uh, a team that works with me, and, and we discussed the fact that the word leadership can be very scary. What I don't want to happen is I don't want some of you right now to tune me out and say, oh, it's a leadership sermon. That's not for me. That simply is not the case. Every single one of you are leaders. Every single one of you are influencing someone. You are influencing someone with your attitude, with your activities. Someone is looking to you. And many of you are leaders to me. You lead me in the way you live your life. You lead me in your attitudes. You lead me in the way you pray and in the way you worship God. 
So let's just put aside that excuse and that intimidation that says, oh, well, leadership sermon is not for me. Yeah, it is. It is. God's called you to be a leader. But ultimately, and I want you to understand this, Jesus is our leader. As God's people, we believe in the priesthood of the believer. Meaning this, and you'll find this out as you read Hebrews this month. You relate directly to God. You don't have to come through a priest. You don't have to come through a pastor. There's no medium between you and God. You have a personal relationship with God. You you relate directly to Him. So Jesus is ultimately our leader. But God, in His wisdom, has chosen men and women to help define our lives. Whether they be our boss, a spouse, whether they be a pastor who's called to equip you and be a spiritual authority in your life. There are people God has placed in your life that even though Jesus is always your leader, He's your primary leader, and He's the one you follow, He's chosen to use particular people to define His vision for your life, to define the promised land for you, to define how to get there. So with that in mind, let's look at some observations, and, and I would love for you to follow along with me, of observations on new generation leaders. One of the things about being a pastor that at first can be frustrating, but I've learned to adjust, it's this. People come into our lives, they come into our ministry, and they stay a while, then they move on. Part of that is because we live in a transient society where the average person moves every two and a half years. Part of it is because as spiritual leaders, we don't really have any power over you. Um, we don't pay you to come to church. Uh, we are not like the government who, if you don't follow our rules, we can put you in jail. Uh, there's been some spiritual leaders who have tried to like excommunicate church members and say they're going to hell if they don't do what they say, but that's not even biblical and that's bad leadership. So basically you can come and you can go. And, and that can be frustrating and that can, can be uh, disappointing at times and sad at times, but I've learned a valuable principle from that, and it's the first principle that I want you to write down about leadership, and it's this. Every leadership loss creates a leadership opportunity. Every leadership loss creates a leadership opportunity. Joshua chapter 1, let's look again at 1 and 2. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross. I want you to focus on those three words in the middle of that scripture, in the middle of verse 2. Now then, you. Now then, you. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you. You know, whenever someone passes away, in the midst of that grief, and I've worked with a lot of families and funerals and and in the midst of the grief and the sadness, there's a strange kind of energy that happens. Not, not necessarily a positive energy, just a necessary energy that things need to happen. Decisions need to be made. If there's children involved, decisions regarding the children. If there's an estate involved, uh, decisions regarding the, the dispersion of the estate. There's just all kinds of decisions and there's this kind of... Uh, sense of energy that something needs to happen even though a tragic death has just occurred. And that's kind of what I see happening in verse 2. 
God says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you. Often we're going to find in our lives, we're going to find in our lives that when change happens and when loss occurs, temporary loss, or change in life experiences, it is sad, it is disappointing, it's disheartening, and it's okay to feel those things. I still feel sad when people leave. I still am disappointed when God changes things. But I've realized that in the midst of that change, there is a great opportunity. Here's the truth. In order for you to take new ground and go to that defined promised land that God has for you, sometimes good things in your life have to die. Things that you enjoy. Things that you prefer. Things that you didn't want to change. Moses is now dead. Now then, you. Things have changed. That young adult who lived in your life, who lived with you, that child who is now a young adult, they go get an apartment. Things change. Someone moves on in your organization and now the boss you really enjoyed is moving on. Now things have changed. And they're good things. But sometimes good things have to die in order for you to get to that promised land. A lot of you are new, so you probably don't remember a couple named David and Christina Stocker. They were ministers that came to our church for a year and a half during a transitional time. Became dear friends of mine. They still are. And they did a lot for our church as volunteers. They led a 242 group. And they created what is now one of our most successful ministries, our 4.6 experience, which targets 4th through 6th graders. And what happened was, is now he received a job in Texas and his ministry is thriving down there. His ministry is doing so great. And I remember when he came to me and I knew it was best for David to go on, but it was going to leave such a gap at our church. But do you know what happened that week? The very week that David Stocker said he was leaving, there was a young 18-year-old girl named Margot Shanks who made an appointment with me. I didn't know what she wanted to talk about. She said, Aaron, Pastor Aaron, God called me this summer at youth camp to be a youth pastor, and I don't know what to do. We talked about the things she needed to do, and one of those was get experience. And so she has taken the 4.6 ministry And she has expanded it and grown and built on what David and Christina did. David and Christina led a 242 group. And after they left, two couples I went and talked to. Joe and Christina Keller. Lee and Amy Mosley. And I said, guys, can you lead a 242 group? And from the one group that David and Christina Stocker led, now we have two thriving groups. Did we want them to leave? No. Were we sad? Yes. But a leadership loss created a leadership opportunity. Good things in your life, they, when they may leave your life, God may be taking you to new ground in Him. Here's number two. New leadership builds on God's work in the previous leader. New leadership builds on God's work in the previous leader. Joshua 1, 3 says it this way, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. 
Look at that, those last four words. As I promised Moses. Now we know the rest of the story for those of you who have read Joshua or at least are somewhat familiar. Joshua was a great leader. He led God's people to that promised land that God had for them. They crossed the Jordan River. They conquered Jericho. The walls fell down. He was a great leader. We know the rest of the story. But I want you to remember this. There would have been no Joshua if there had not been a Moses. Joshua built on what Moses had already started. And that's exactly what new generation leadership does. And I just want to suggest to you, if God is opening up a new door for you, you've got a promotion at your job, you've taken over a new business, there's a new ministry that you are in charge of. Don't try to make yourself look better by tearing down those who came before you. Don't, don't be an insecure leader and feel like you have to tear down others in order to build yourself up. Instead, build. Build on what God has done. Build on what God has started. Go and you be the person. Moses is dead. Now, then, you. Things have changed. Good things in your life have changed. Good things have, have, have died. And changes have. Now, then, you. God has prepared you. God has built you. You see, the reason Joshua was able to be a new leader is because he had been mentored by Moses. He had been with Moses. He had walked with Moses. And so it is with you that God is preparing you. He's mentoring you. And he has prepared you. There is something that God has prepared you for. Moses is dead. Now then you. There's a now then you in your life. Here's number three. I want you to write, write it down. God's favor on new leadership will bring unprecedented levels of success. God's favor on new leadership will bring unprecedented levels of success. In verse five, excuse me, verse four of Joshua one talks about this specific defined area and you can read that later, but look at verse five. It says this, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. Now, is that not a great leadership promise? That no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. For those of you that have ambition to lead and to advance, and I hope all of you do because we need you. Our country needs leader, our leaders. Our community needs leaders. We need every single one of you to take dominion or, or to take leadership over the, that area God's given you and to just, just to create the best families and the best work environments and the best churches we can. In order to do that, you need to realize something. If you want to succeed in advance, your success is not about you. And we have such a selfish view of leadership advancement. We're like, I need to advance my ministry. I need to hit this level. I need to move forward. It's not about you. It's about what God wants to do. God is raising you up. God is gifting you. God is giving you new opportunity because He is raising up His people. And He wants to take His people to a new level. He wants to take His people to a new place of influence. I'm going to ask you four questions today. Before we close, four questions. And these questions are going to talk about how this concept of new generational, new generation leadership applies to you. Here's the first question. Who are the leaders in your life? 
Who are the leaders in your life? Write this down. Who are the people leading you? Some of you might not like what I'm about to say, but you need to hear it. You need someone to be a leader in your life. Aaron Allison, I need someone to be a leader in my life. If you don't have anyone in your life that you're looking to as a leader or looking for as a leader, you're probably not growing to the level God wants you to. Every single one of us needs a leader in our life. And we need someone that will challenge us and someone we can look to. And you might argue this, but Aaron, leaders, they'll, they, they've disappointed me. And I would say to you, yes, they have and they will again. That's the reason Jesus is always our leader. He's our ultimate leader. He's the one we need to follow. But he is still chosen to put key people in your life to cause growth to come about, to be an example to you. Some of you don't even realize that your secular boss, who may not know the Lord, may not even be living for the Lord, can still be a leader to you. Maybe not in spiritual areas, but all wisdom comes from God. Wisdom flows from God. All wisdom comes from Him. And so it could be that in pride, you've overlooked your secular boss or someone who might not know the Lord. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a friend. And haven't seen that they have wisdom that's going to help you be more fruitful. They have wisdom that's going to help you grow. One of the biggest mistakes that I see people make is people will not be led by those who are younger than them. Being in vocational ministry, like I said, as a young leader, I didn't encounter this often, but I did a few times where people would simply not look to me as a leader because of my youth. Typically, it's not necessarily people that are my parents' age. That has never really been an issue. It's, it's people generally about 10 or 15 years older than me. That they just, you know, they like me, and, but they won't be let me lead them. Well, I've hit this point in my life now where I'm being led by people younger than me. I'm no longer the young pastor anymore. I'm coming to grips with that. But I'm being led by people younger than me. And there's pastors that... I watch their lives and listen to their attitudes and listen to their teaching, and it's impacting my life. There was a young man who, who was in my youth group who in 2005, or excuse me, 2004, he preached his first sermon because I made him on a mission trip. And now his ministry in youth ministry is bigger than mine ever was. And I hear his ideas and the things he's coming up with. And it's an inspiration to me. And I just want you to say that for your benefit, not, not for mine, not because of, of my youth or perceived youth, but so you won't close the door to who God might have in your life to lead you. And you won't be so prideful that you would shut your, yourself off to new, generational, new generation leadership in your life. Because God... He speaks through maturity. He speaks through the Spirit. He speaks through the anointing. And it has nothing to do about chronological age. It has everything to do with His favor and His wisdom that might be upon somebody. I remember when I was uh, having to make a very difficult leadership decision in recent years. And the decision I was going to make, I knew the people it would affect 
would not understand. That had became very, very clear. And I prayed about it and thought about it. And I bounced it off Pastor David and asked him to pray with me. And David said something that I will never forget because it was such a wise statement. I, I, I told him, I said, you know, I don't think they're going to understand what I'm going to do. And David responded, Aaron, that's why we need leaders in our lives. Because leaders make decisions for us that we can't make for ourselves. Now, I'm not suggesting, again, let me remind you that we are priesthood of believers. We go directly to God. I'm not trying to suggest like join a cult where other people think for you and all that. But there are some rare cases, rare times, when we don't see clearly and we don't see far enough and God places people in our lives that help us to make the right decisions when we're not going to make the correct decisions for ourselves. And so, so it is that in your life, I want you to begin to, to answer that question. Who are the leaders in my life? Who is speaking into my life? It might not be someone that you even meet with on a personal basis, even though that would be the most effective way. It might be authors that you're reading, pastors that you're listening to. It might be business people you're admiring, but you need leaders in your life and you need someone in your life who is stretching you and helping you grow. Uh, uh, let me just say one more thing regarding this subject. Five years ago, Pastor Doug Bagwell came to me. If you haven't met him, he's a volunteer pastor at our church and he's about 20 years older than me, roughly. Uh, and he came to me five years ago and asked me one of the most humbling things I've ever been asked. He said, Aaron, would you mentor me as I try to go into the ministry? And it was a very humbling question and there's been many areas Pastor Doug's been a mentor to me because he's very wise in a lot of areas. But when it came to ministry type stuff, he asked that. And it's so ironic that Thursday he got a phone call from a local church in this area who is without a pastor and they just needed someone to fill the pulpit for this Sunday only. And this very morning he's been preaching at another church. And I believe that opportunity, even though I didn't set it up personally, but it would not have come if Pastor Doug was not humble enough to learn from people like me and other people that might be younger than him in age, but he was humble enough to be mentored by me and others. And God's opened that door for him today. Here's the next question I want to ask you. Number two, what position of leadership do you need to fill? What position of leadership do you need to fill? Some of you, you need to be a Joshua. And you need to step into the role God has prepared for you. You need to say, see areas in your life where Moses is dead and the Lord is saying, now then, you. It's, it's, it's over. Good things have been. Now then, you. It's time for you to step into what I have prepared for you. And God's been preparing many of you for special, special things. He's saying, now then, you. Step into it. When I think about a Joshua-type person... I think about Deborah Jackson, who was, who was up here earlier giving the announcement about the women's conference. And just a, a set of bizarre circumstances, Paul and Deborah and I have been in uh, three different churches together in two different states. So we've known each other. Maybe it's four different churches. I think it is, actually. But uh, we've known each other quite a while. Ten years ago, uh, I started a, we started a church. I was the associate pastor. Uh, we started a church in Texas, and Paul and Deborah were part of the launch team. And... Here it was, we're getting ready for our first service, and we had prepared everything but the most important thing. And this is just 
the, the dumbest thing you could overlook in church planning possible. We had not planned children's ministry. We planned everything else except children's ministry. We even had the donut team to pick up donuts and coffee. But we didn't have a children's team. So we called Deborah not a month before the first church service, not a week before the first church service, the night before we called Deborah and asked her, would you please lead our children's ministry for our opening service tomorrow? And Deborah, with poise and with confidence, she said, sure. I became pastor at this church, and there was a women's retreat scheduled, and no one was in a position to lead that. And it was just a few weeks away, so I called Deborah up. I said, Deborah, there's, there's a, a women's retreat planned in a few weeks. We have a hotel. We don't have any programming speaker. Can you get that together? She said, Sure. We started the 4.6 ministry. We started that ministry and we needed rotating teachers. And I said, let me call Deborah. Deborah, can you teach 4.6 rotation? She said, sure. We built all these classrooms and all the people for all those years who said, boy, I just missed Sunday school and I wish we had Sunday school. We're finding out that those people have disappeared. But anyway, when, when, um, and when we built, we had all these extra rooms and we needed someone to lead our Sunday school Christian education program. I asked Deborah, Deborah, can you lead our Christian education ministry? She said, sure. When she got nominated to be on the leadership board, I said, Deborah, can you be the first female board member we ever had? She said, sure. These were like 15 second conversations. And I say that as an illustration because she is a very prayerful lady and she has said no to things before when it didn't fit what God wanted to. But some of you are so nervous about the will of God that when you're asked a question, it's like, oh, what should I do? Let me pray. Let me think. Let me talk. And you just need to say, sure, Moses is dead. Now then you, it's time. There is a need. Step into it. There's a need in your life. There's There's a need in the church. There's a need in your business. There's a need in your family. There's an opportunity. And God has prepared you. God has prepared you. God has been positioning you just to say, yes. So that's the question. What is it in your life? What position is there that you need to fill? What position of leadership? Here's number three. Let me ask you this question. Do you honor the leader before you? Do you honor the leader before you? Many of you have no sense of history, no appreciation for the roots of your organization, your company, you have no understanding of the price that was paid in the industry you're part of. And when you do that, you close the door to a chance to really be a blessing. Because part of being a great leader today is honoring the great leaders of yesterday. So we must honor and we must look and see that as a next generation leader, as a Joshua, we're building on what Moses did. Here's the last day, number four. Are you dependent on God's presence for your success? Are you dependent upon God's presence for your success? Look at Joshua chapter 1 verse 5. It says this, No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is, this is Joshua 1 5. Joshua 1 5. Let's look at that again. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never 
leave you nor forsake you. The reason this meant so much to Joshua is Joshua knew that Moses didn't lead without the presence of God. He had been mentored by him. You know, a passage that the Lord brings me back to over and over and over again. I would dare say it's one of the theme stories of my ministry in life. It's out of Exodus 33 when God said, I'm not going to go with you to the promised land. And the intercessor that Moses was interceded with God. And he concluded this. This is Exodus 33:15. And Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me as a leader and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What else with nothing but the presence of God? The presence of God. And I just want to say this to you. Some of you are so preoccupied with the will of God and the the very difficult decisions you've been making in your life. But here is the most important decision that you can make. It's to walk in the presence of God. You can start by reading your Bible five minutes a day. We have a plan for you. Like I said, we'll be reading this month in Hebrews and Galatians and James. But what about five minutes a day, maybe in your car or at your workstation or in your bedroom, just to sit and be still in the presence of God, to listen to Him, to start a conversation with God. That will change your life. That will keep you in the will of God. That will keep you right in the purposes of God. Wherever you are, you're walking with the Lord. And new generational leadership won't do it without the presence of God. New generation leadership won't rely on human tactics and human understanding, but will stay in the presence of the Lord. Would you stand with me? And we're going to... We're going to stand right now in the presence of the Lord. The Lord wants to do something very, very specific for you. When we were in worship this morning, in this service, in this 1115 service, there was an excitement in my spirit because I know God wants to work now. So I'm going to ask you in the next few minutes we have together for a a focus because this is going to be very important. One of the things that I realized, and I want you to know this right now, we don't do church services out of habit, even though it's a good habit to come to church. We don't do this out of obligation. We have church services because we believe that this is a destiny, all, destiny altering, alter, altering service. A life-changing service that God right now wants to change your way of thinking. He wants to change your direction. He wants to take you to new ground. He wants to move you to the place He's called you to. There is a better place. There is a greater place. There is a place that's very much defined by God. And you know what it is, where He wants to take you. And He's going to take you there. And you will be blessed there. You will be blessed there. But you have to cross over. And you have to see that you have new generation leaders in your life. And you are a new generation leader. He's doing something new and fresh. There's two words that God has put in my spirit regarding this message. The first one is wounds. Some of you have been wounded by leaders in your past. And there's a fear. There's a fear for you to move forward. There's a fear for you to move on because you simply don't want to be wounded again. I cannot promise you that you'll never be wounded by a leader. I wish I could. Because that possibility, yeah, is there. But I will tell you, there is a leader named Jesus Christ. There is the Holy Spirit that He'll never wound you. He'll never hurt you. And I know this, is that when your life will be more fruitful 
And your life will be more beneficial and your life will be more of what God wants it to be if you move from those wounds into the promised land he has for you. The second word that he put in my, in my heart and spirit for you today is this, shackles. And he kept saying that word shackle. I'm like, Lord, I don't even use the word shackle. So <laughs> I'm like, you know, God, can it be a word I used in the last three months? But I couldn't get away from the word shackle. And so I prayed over that word and I looked up a definition on that. I want to share that with you. A shackle is this. It's a chain. But it's anything that prevents freedom of procedure or thought. Anything that prohibits procedure or thought. Some of you haven't been able to move into what God has for you because you are shackled by old leadership in your life. And I just want to be blunt with you. The old leadership in your life that has kept you from moving forward is not thinking about you, is not aware of you, but yet their old influence is holding you back. It's like a shackle. You don't have free thought. You don't have free progression. And can I just tell you that God is saying, not not after today, move forward, move forward. He is your healer. He is your freedom. He is going to soothe all the wounds. We're going to open up communion and here at the front and the back. If you want to take communion as an individual, you may. If you want to find a place to pray, you may. This time, I want my prayer team to come forth this time. And in these last few minutes we have, let's all focus on what He has for us and let's respond to His Word today. This has been a Church in Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.